Hello and welcome to Belong's podcast on building inclusive societies. Conversations on caste and SDG 16. Goal 16 is dedicated to the promotion of peaceful and inclusive societies, the provision of access to justice for all, and building accountable institutions. I'm your host Muda Tarik and together in this series through conversations with academics, activists and advocates we look into how the debilitating institution of caste remains a great threat to sustainable development we will unpack caste politics and its problematic enmeshment with our democratic social legal and educational systems and try to understand how caste is a deterrent to the goals of social justice tune in to know more in this episode titled traversing caste within the legal system Advocate Manjula Pradeep illustrates the nexus between the upper castes and our socio-legal institutions. We will dive deeper into the dynamics of caste as reflected in refusal to file an FIR, reluctance in applying relevant sections such as the Prevention of Atrocities Act and the straightaway ill-treatment of Dalits in police stations and courts. We will also explore the double burden of caste and gender on Dalit women especially in the context of caste-based sexual violence. Manjula walks us through what it takes to navigate a system that continues to perpetuate caste and gender hierarchies. Hello, welcome to Belong's podcast. Today we have with us Ms. Manjula Pradeep, who's a human rights advocate and a Dalit activist. Welcome to Belong. We're very happy to have you here today. I do have a few questions for you and I'll jump on to them straight. So firstly can you tell us a bit about yourself your background I come from the Dalit community my parents are from North India from Uttar Pradesh and they were from a very small village then my father who was a government officer he moved to Gujarat and that's how we settled down in Gujarat as i was growing up i was not sure what is my social identity because given a surname which does not reveals my caste I have been struggling since my childhood as a girl as a person from Dalit community and carrying that baggage of not revealing our caste identity and the pain of my mother who faced a lot of discrimination and violence in her family Can you describe your work as an advocate and a human rights activist focusing on Dalit and women's rights in particular what are the big problems that you're trying to address through your work I became an advocate when I was uh, handling a case of uh, custodial torture of a Dalit youth in 1993. That case made me realize how important it is to address the issue of systemic violence and discrimination against Dalits. Unfortunately, we couldn't get conviction in that case, but I think by being part of a movement-based organization, I realized that it's very important to understand the legal framework while addressing the issues of violence and discrimination against a particular community which i come from the dalits the issues i could see was uh, untouchability a caste based discrimination where person from the dalit community is treated as defiled or impure and uh, the person is denied basic existence in terms of a human being i think these were the issues which uh, emerged while i was working at the ground i was trying to understand that why this was happening so i could see that there was lawlessness there is no rule of law there is no protection from the police from the administration for those who are most marginalized in indian society i also address the issue of discrimination and violence against dalit women in panchayats in the village councils and how they could not run the office just because of their particular identity which is imposed on them 
I could understand the intersectional framework of a woman from a marginalized community. If she is a Dalit, she is a Muslim, or she is a tribal, and how does it surrounds her body and her existence? And during 2002, I was working in the relief camp in Gujarat when we had communal genocide. While doing this work, I realized that how important it is to work on women's rights and, in particular, building up the leadership because. i am a woman and i come from a marginalized communities and i could see that majority of women from the marginalized communities don't have their own social standing and they don't have any kind of support system in their families or in the community and in the larger society given that the upper caste hold power in the society and the state as well do you think that the state apparatuses and institutions are casteist in their functioning in who is constituting them and who has access to these institutions elaborating on your own first hand experiences as an advocate and as an activist could you tell us about various barriers in access to justice for marginalized communities perhaps in terms of what the constitution of the country promises or aspires to provide versus the ground realities of justice i think the criminal justice system needs to look with the framework of intersectional lens as well because what i have realized is that while addressing the issues of injustice and violence against dalits i could see the power which is in the hands of the dominant caste or we called a so called upper caste vis-a-vis the dalits and the helplessness of the dalit communities even in registration of a police complaint i have personally seen those situations where we have to sit with dead bodies dalit men in cases of caste based atrocities where they have been murdered and the pressure which comes on us as activists from the administration whether it is the district magistrate or where whether it is the elected parliamentarian or whether it is the police the higher rank officers they all have this nexus but they also don't have their own free will in helping a person from the most marginalized community because ultimately the government the ruling party always puts control over the administration over the judiciary i would tell you that there was a case which i handled of a minor dalit girl who was uh, multiple gang raped for 14 times in an all girls college in gujarat in patan these professors have been raping girls from the poor communities or from marginalized communities for last one decade until this incident happened i got some support from the police but with lot of hard work being done by us in terms of putting pressure on them the case which i was handling was something where i was challenging the system not only the educational system but also the larger political process in gujarat that case was very important for me i myself have survived sexual abuse at the age of 4 so i understand the pain and uh, the trauma of a survivor of sexual violence despite all odds that there was pressure from the administration or police or from the the political party i withstood all those challenges and we got justice in one year you face challenges in terms of addressing certain issues of human rights violations when i was addressing the issue of bonded labor my office was attacked in 99 and the state intelligence bureau people came at my parents house to investigate about my religious identity i had to leave my parents house there are so many cases which i have handled in my 30 years of activism and helped so many young girls and women in healing them and also ensuring that they get proper legal support during their judicial trial more power to you and 
clearly the case the 2008 patan case had a deep impact on you but in one of your interviews you also mentioned how it changed the organization that you were working at that time how did it transform nav surgeon trust in terms of the priorities in terms of the focus areas of work where you have served as the executive director and were also the first woman to join the organization as the first woman in nav surgeon was itself a challenge for me because of my background i decided to join nav surgeon which was not an organization it was a small group of five men and while i was working in in nav surgeon i never thought that i'll become the director of nav surgeon until 2004 when the former director decided that he will quit down from the position and the board decided to have elections and i contested against four men who were my colleagues election itself brings lot of backlash and i faced lot of backlash immediately the day i became the director i do remember it was 14th november and the next day was eid on 15th november and that day was difficult for me because there was a case of one of my colleagues in our campus he hanged himself to death there was a situation where allegations were put against me that the reason of him being committing suicide was manjula between 2004 to 2008 when i handled patan case the gang rape case i did try to bring another kind of framework within nafsajan because it was seen as a dalit rights organization but i also realized that where are the women when i joined nafsajan there were hardly any women in the team but also in the field i could see that women were not attending our meetings and i was the only woman sitting among hundreds of men i made the decision to bring women into power within the organization and within the structural power of nafsajan that was also equally challenging and while doing that i also undertook some research studies focusing on violence and discrimination against dalit women in 2006 we did a national tribunal of violence against dalit women and girls bringing 300 survivors or victims of violence from the dalit communities all dalit women and girls and that was a very powerful event and after that we had a first international conference of dalit women in den haag in netherlands i think these kind of experiences made me strong and also made me realize that yes my identity of caste class gender and religion should not matter until i consciously work on it and come up as a strong leader after taking up the case of patan i think that case is historical because it brought so much changes within the policy framework of gujarat representation of women in educational system and safety for and protection for young women who were attaining education in the colleges and universities apart from that i would say that nafsajan's entire identity also shifted because we brought gender within the caste framework and i think that was so important because earlier we were just focusing on atrocities on dalits but you also have to see with that intersection lens where we could say that no when caste violence happen who is the one who is affected the most and i think it's the women and the children who are affected the most by caste based violence and when there are cases of attack on dalits women are the users targets of revenge by the upper caste i think listening to you one thing became very evident to me that wherever whenever you have been in positions of power you've used them to create equity around you coming back to the point about how you said dalit women and how you brought in gender within the dalit framework 
Dalit women are the subaltern within the subaltern and operate under the double burden of caste and gender oppression. You also talked about how upper castes use Dalit women's bodies as a locale for revenge. So why do Dalit women become easy targets? And the recent Hatras case also affirms how caste functionality is actively sidelined in these caste crimes. So could you elaborate on it a bit further? The rootedness of caste system within the Indian society has created a kind of a situation where uh, Dalit women and girls are objectified and they are not seen as human beings, I must say that. The vulnerability of Dalit women and girls is much more higher than any other women in India. As I said that they face discrimination and violence because of their caste, class, gender, religion. And within that, we can say they face more backlash if they are from a particular subcaste. So if they are from the manual scavenging community, they face violence because they are from the community which is forced to clean human experiment. On one side, the same community, the Dalit and Dalit women are treated as defiled people. So nobody would want to touch them. But on the other side, the same people who treat Dalit women and girls as defiled human beings, they don't have any problem of raping them. Although they are touching their bodies, when they abuse them, exploit them, when they rape them, they feel a kind of a sense of power, a sense of victory, of achieving something which is basically controlling power in their hands and creating a sense of fear in the minds of the Dalit communities that don't stand up for your rights. If you stand up for your rights, then this is what would be the outcome. We still are very much far behind than other community women and girls. And the sense of fear which has been ingrained in our minds from childhood makes us feel that we should not continue the education because if you see the national figures, 50% of Dalit girls, they drop out before finishing their primary education. And the Hathras girl was one of them. She was a fifth grade educated. If you want to study, then you have to move out of the village. You have to walk for 10 kilometers where you will get a transport to go to your school. The identity which she was carrying of being from the lowest caste, from the scavenging community, the Valmiki community, also made her parents feel that why she should get educated. Before the incident happened, she was also teased by this, the main accused a few months before the this gruesome incident. And when she reported it, her parents said that there is no point to register a complaint because we are also planning to get you married. And I think this is what the upper caste men think that when they will be able to harm the rights of a Dalit girl or a woman because the fear which is ingrained in the minds of Dalit communities will not allow them to access justice. So what happened in Hathras was tip of the iceberg because there are so many cases of sexual violence against Dalit women and girls which are not even reported in the police station. I think the other kind of baggage is that even if they survived sexual violence, people labeled them as... Uh, loose character women and girls. Majority of the times we tend to see the violence which is physical in nature and we don't understand the trauma which survivor or the victim goes through. This kind of violence is much more severe and most of the times the trauma is not being handled properly and the state itself does not want to recognize that if the survivor is not given proper counseling then she would not be able to defend herself in the court and that's why we have so many cases of sexual violence on Dalit women and girls where they don't get justice because there is an out-of-court settlement or compromise. Previously, we talked about this 
welfare and also the nexus between caste and the institutions that function. And we also talked about how there's a lack to access of education as well. So stemming from all this, could you walk me through what goes in the journey to access justice, especially in cases of sexual violence against Dalit women, stemming right from the lack of knowledge of legal rights to police's refusal to file cases or in applying relevant sections? How do we navigate an entire system that upholds and perpetuates caste hierarchies? When someone's body is being mutilated or being raped, or being sexually abused, it's not that person who has become the victim of this violence would immediately report it to the police. As we all know that the caste framework within which the Indian society functions does not give that space for the victim to even inform her parents about the incident of rape. The legal procedure one has to follow, specifically in the incidents of rape, people are not aware about what to keep in mind. If there's someone who is raped, that you should not allow that person to take bath or wash herself and keep the clothes which she was wearing when, when she was raped. Now, when you are afraid of the system, you would tend to hide everything. So I must say that Dalit women and girls are brave that they report it. They want to report it to the police station. And unfortunately, what the system is that when they go to the police, mainly men, they will try to put pressure on the person who is being raped of not registering a police complaint. And if she pushes herself to register the case, majority of the times what happens is that the rape survivor, if she is alive and she is not succumbed to the rape, she would hardly be the complainant. And that's where the patriarchy comes in within the Dalit communities, that a male person from her family would register the case. In majority of the cases, the accused are absconding and the police don't even feel uh, the urge to arrest them because for them, it's not a serious offense. So it is a serious offense for the person whose rights are being violated, who is being raped. But that seriousness you don't see in the criminal justice system. I think it's a long journey of the Dalit women and girls to fight for justice because justice doesn't happen as it is written in the legal framework. Coming back to what we discussed earlier, we talked about how upper caste men want to conquer Dalit women's bodies. And there's this intersectionality which can't be overlooked. There's an attempt to depoliticize caste in caste crimes. Why and how does caste get overlooked? How does it impact access to distribution and retribution? I think, see, caste itself has become part of the Indian culture. So caste crimes itself are not seen as caste crimes, but as crimes. And there is a politics around caste because the Indian government is being denying that there is caste system existing in the country. There is no need to question about caste system in India. If you see the kind of crimes which are committed on the Dalit communities, these are specific crimes which are only happening on them because of their castes. And one cannot ignore the fact that these are not caste crimes. But if the Indian government believes that caste system is not there, then why Prevention of Atrocities Act is there for the protecting the rights of Dalit communities? Although this act itself is being challenged by the Supreme Court itself because when the Dalit rights are being violated and when we use the law as a tool for assertion, it's being seen as a kind of a threat by the dominant caste who are also in the system and in the ruling political parties and where they tend to 
see it as a threat on their existence you founded yeah. the wise act of youth visioning and engagement foundation focusing mm-hmm. on building leadership and rights of marginalized women and youth across india why do you think engagement with the youth is important for building inclusive societies and how does your organization work towards it we were very clear that the first core program of way foundation would be to build leadership of youth and women from these communities because ultimately the leadership is so integral part of someone who want to exist in this society because the marginalized communities are not seen as leaders because of the intersectional framework which is around our bodies we want to build up leadership of dalit women and youth on the other side we also know that it's not only dalits but it's also muslims it's also adivasis and other communities and youth from these communities and women from these communities who are working very closely at the ground but they don't have any kind of support to build up their leadership we are creating our own parallel movement where we say that yes we know what knowledge we have we know what our qualities are and we have the capacities to lead our own movements and the larger society will have to accept that until our rights are not being recognized until our leadership is not being accepted the larger movement cannot become strong if you found this podcast interesting download our mobile app on other spelled u n o t h e r for more conversations and literature on intersectional inclusion if you would like to connect with intersectional experts visit belong circle a platform that makes it easy for a wide range of organizations and individuals to be intersectional in their work thank you for listening stay tuned for more